Keep it locked on to ZFM Stereo. This is Health Matters with Patience. Your choice, your life. A very good evening to you, my station, your station, ZFM Stereo. On the very last day of the month of March, and hey, look at us. Look at you. You made it through. This is the third month into 2022, and however your month was, um, the hope is that um, you have enough faith in your creator that he'll take you through into uh, the next month's challenges. My name is Patience Musa, and welcome to Health Matters. And this is what we do every single Thursday from um, 8.33 to 9 o'clock. We talk about health. And um, look, I encourage you to participate. Whatever questions you may have, Kwamuri, Kogo, this is, after all, my station, your station. So do feel free to participate. The number to use is 731 one six eight zero four five. I'll give you that number again. Zero seven three one one six eight zero four five. And uh, so today our um, theme is um, col- colorectal cancer. Colorectal cancer. And so with me in the studio today, I have some very powerful, strong, phenomenal women. I have uh, Dr. Anna Mary Nyakabau, uh, who's an oncologist. Dr. Anna, thank you so much for coming through. Thank you very much, Patience. Good evening, Zimbabwe. Uh, I also have with me Keresha Chikoe, uh, who is a cologne cancer survivor. You're most welcome. Thank you, Patience. Uh, good evening to you all. And uh, joining us too is a, a psychosocial support expert, uh, Kate Chambati. Welcome, Kate. Thank you, Patience. Hello, everyone. Now, um, if you're just tuning in, we are talking about colorectal cancer. Now, we've heard about all sorts of cancers, and over the past few years, we've had all these different types of cancers coming to light. Uh, we only knew so many, but it's turning out that, you know, Akato uh, Wanda, the different types of cancers. And today, we're zooming in on colorectal cancer. If you know somebody who's been through this, if you're going through this, drop us a line on 0731-168-045. And so, we're going to start with you, Dr. Anne. Mary, if you could explain to us what colorectal cancer is. Oh, thank you very much, patients. Um, colorectum, we're talking about the large bowel, and the first part is the colon, and the distal part or the end part is the rectum. And as we all know, our bodies are made up of small units called cells that have got a nucleus which has got the genetic material and when there is damage to this genetic material the cell becomes abnormal and these abnormal cells will grow grow abnormally and they become rebellious that is not listening to instructions of the body so this is what you call a cancer which has got a potential to spread locally and also to spread either through the bloodstream or through the lymphatic vessels to other parts of the body areas far commonly the lungs the liver or the bones so in that case it will be called metastatic cancer so colorectal cancer is cancer that is in the colon and rectum and how does this type of cancer progress or like i've just said to you it progresses by spreading 
through the bloodstream or through the lymphatic vessels. The cells just have got this ability to just grow abnormally and spread through the walls of the, the they also spread through the walls of the bowel, you know, the lining of the bowel, mm -hmm. and then they then have access to the blood vessels and the lymphatic vessels. And then they enter those blood vessels and lymphatic vessels and travel into the bloodstream. And then when they get to other parts of the body and the other parts of the body accept them, then they grow there in areas that are far away from where they started. So when it is still in the early stages, you know, it is more amenable to cure than when it is spread to other parts of the body. And this is why we talk about screening and early detection so that you can be able to actually present at a stage where you can be managed and the disease can be cured. For you to be able to be managed, there is need for some tissue to be taken from this cancer and then it can be examined by a special doctor called a pathologist who mm -hmm. makes the diagnosis of colorectal cancer. Thank you so much for explaining that so well. I know if you're listening to, to this, you probably have a, a very good understanding of it. Well explained. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Anna Mary. Now, um, if, you're, if you could um, explain to us, is, is, has science gotten to a place where there's an understanding why this happens and how it starts? Okay. I mean, the thing is, there are things called risk factors. You know, mm -hmm. we talked about damage to the genetic material of the individual. I mean, you can have someone who has got the genetic makeup that makes them susceptible. So it can be hereditary. It can be hereditary, yes. But, the, you know, it's more commonly environmental as well, okay. whereby, you know, lifestyle factors in terms of dietary factors and physical inactivity mm. can actually put you at more risk. You know, by the way, development of cancer is not like something that happens overnight. It takes a long time and it's actually a process that happens. And sometimes the cancer can actually develop from benign conditions called adenomas. These are special kind of adenomas. And this is where screening comes in because if someone then has got actually something like a colonoscopy where they look through the bowel and they see these adenomas or the benign or precursors of the cancer, they can actually remove them before the cancer has penetrated through the bowel. So the cancer is still at a pre-invasive stage such that you can cure almost 100% of such patients. Okay. So 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 what's um what's the timeline from the time that it actually starts uh, to the time when you know one can actually start start detecting that you know something is wrong. Okay, so you can have an area where you know there's nothing wrong at all. No pain whatsoever. Nothing nothing nothing. This is what makes cancer so difficult because most of its life course 
is when there is nothing that is happening. It's only in the final stages that it, some, it starts showing symptoms. And this is why we talk about people going for screening because then, you know, by the time it's showing stage, you know, symptoms, then it's a little bit more advanced. And uh, so looking at it, uh, that, you know, it, it starts off uh, really quiet. It probably means that, like most cancers, it has stages. Is that true? Yes, yes. And what we call stages is how far gone it is. So there is what you call early stages and also late stages. I mean, the typical stage is stage one to four, or there are other types of stages. And, you know, the earlier the stage... The, actually the greater the chance of a cure and that's why we talk about early detection and treatment saves lives because if it's stage one you can cure more than 80 percent of the patients whereas if it is stage four you can still cure some but maybe 20 percent of the patients such that you know you will lose out and also when the cancer is more advanced it needs more treatments than if it is anything. so it will be more expensive it is to going treat. to be more expensive and also i mean the yield in terms of the chances of success are less so it's all frustrations because in the first place you have got a disease that needs more treatments maybe you need surgery you need chemotherapy mm. and if it is in the rectum you may need radiotherapy as well and then these days there are other treatments like targeted therapies and immune therapy i mean so you need more treatments when it is more advanced stage and then if it is early stage disease maybe just a nip or a removal is sufficient for such a patient and therefore it's less costly and at the end of the day better results and everyone is happy well, you're listening to my station, your station, ZFM Stereo. This is Health Matters with me, Patience Musa. Thursdays from 8.30 through to 9 o'clock. And today we're talking about uh, colorectal cancer. And with me in the studio, Dr. Anna Mary Nyakabau, who's an oncologist. We also have Kate uh, Chambati, who's a, a psychosocial support expert and a survivor, a cologne cancer survivor, Keresha Chikoi. But back to you, uh, Dr. Anna Mary Nyakabau. You said, you said that it's uh, you know it's, it's to do with lifestyle, right? And um, so, which means it's uh, what what we are eating, uh, what we are not doing as far as exercise is concerned. But what what about age? Is is there a particular age that it actually, uh, you know? Thanks very much for that. You know, the older you are, the great the chance of getting cancer. You know, I think as we grow older you know our immune system begins to fail because sure. actually in our bodies there's always formation of cancers and destruction of cancers that is ongoing as well like i said it may take even up to 10 years for a cancer to develop so you know if you start developing a cancer and your immune system is fight fighting you can actually fight it such that it doesn't develop at all so yes age is a factor that comes in in terms of the risk of cancer now let's talk about signs and symptoms mm -hmm. what are the earliest symptoms okay 
you may not get any signs and symptoms at all. You may, you know, you might not know that you have got cancer. Until you just go to the doctor yes. and then you're just thinking, ah, it's just a checkup. Yes, and then, you know, if it's low down, so it also depends on where it is. You know, there are certain areas that are hidden where the signs and symptoms may not show. So, and also the signs and symptoms will depend on where it is. If it is maybe higher up in the cecum, you know, sometimes you may present with, you know, if you are bleeding and you don't know, you may present with anemia, which is low blood, low hemoglobin. And then also you, eventually you might get a bit of abdominal discomfort and abdominal pain. And then if it is low down, you can get maybe a discharge down the back passage or bleeding down the back passage i often say if someone is bleeding so 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 this bleeding will be uh for, from the from the anus from the back yeah back okay. passage yeah all right back okay. passage and if if they are bleeding you know it's all you know there is also common things that can cause bleeding common things like hemorrhoids uh -huh. and it is always very important that a patient gets examined through their back passage you know, if they are bleeding, don't just assume it's a hemorrhage unless you have been examined. So it's always important to make sure that even if maybe you get to your doctor and they are busy, just remind them gently. And also, I often say it's also important that people go to the same doctors because if you go to different doctors at different times, the doctor will start all over again to try and check on you whereas if you go to the same doctor the doctor will then say but i've been checking on this person let me see if i can do other tests to see if they've got something that is more serious like colorectal cancer if you do have any questions, send them through to our WhatsApp 0731-168045. Now, we're going to have a chat with you, Kirisha, as a survivor. Tell us your story. How did you discover you had uh, cancer? Uh, thank you, Patience. Um, it took a very long time, like what Doc said. Uh, sometimes you just think you're just unwell, or you just think probably I ate something and I got upset. Uh, but there are so many telltale signs that show you that you are not well. The skin tone will change. Uh, your uh, uh, habit of uh, relieving yourself changes. And um, sometimes you just get very fatigued. And as the tumor grows bigger, sometimes you may partially lose your sight. And... Um, if uh, the, the, the tumor is on the side where it's closer to the rectum, you pass through with blood. So and for me, it was like um, mm -hmm. I had not been well for a long time and I took it for granted that... Well, but when you say a long time, how, is this years, I think a few years. months? It was up to about three years. Three years? Yes, ab ab about three years. And um, I normally attributed it to... to, to having had so many cesarean sections mm. for the babies and I thought it was my uterus, it was it was just mixed feelings, I couldn't really put a finger on what it, it was. So th 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 that's how I discovered that I had cancer after I went to the bathroom and I realized it was not normal. Uh, called my doctor for an appointment, described, the doctor was quick to say we, we seem to be faced with something big. That same afternoon I went to the doctor referred me for a colonoscopy which confirmed that i had colon cancer stage three 
stage three. Yes. From the start, you're just at stage three, not stage one, stage two, stage no, three. No. <laughs> it was stage three. And uh, <laughs> what happened after that? After that, he, 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 he prepared a, a treatment plan where he had to put a team of doctors together. Um, the oncologist, the, 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 the surgeon, the specialist physician, the anesthetist, the, um, the specialist for who does colonoscopy. I don't remember what his name is called in, the, in medical terms. And uh, all those people had to, 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 to work with me. The first stage was to go and get my blood done and uh, to go for a colonoscopy when uh, the, the, the prof uh, had concluded that it was colon cancer stage three, he quickly communicated with the surgeon who quickly booked um, for a surgery for me. And the surgery was done, it was long, and uh, they removed the tumor, it was quite big. Of course, they said I could have a look at it, but I, I, I was not prepared to have a look so at you, it. So you never saw it? No, I refused. <laughs> Yeah. I refused uh, because uh, he, he, he said to me, probably you don't want to have it imprinted in your mind if you see that thing or if you are courageous enough. But I said, no, 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 I didn't want to see it. Well, and um, uh, your, how did the treatment affect your body, your feelings, as well as your, your routine? Sure, the treatment, it was tough. Um, what I've noticed is that uh, people respond to cancer treatment differently. Uh, for me, I experienced muscle spasms. Uh, every time I'd go for chemotherapy, as soon as I finished my chemotherapy, my whole body would be jerking. And I also experienced a lot of nose bleeding, of which I would just have to go to the emergency rooms and my oncologist would call them and tell them what to do to stop the bleeding. And also, my whole body changed. I, I turned black from the chemotherapy. Hmm. And socially, it affected me because I was kind of stigmatized by people even at church. At our church, we give each other peace. Peace be with you. Somebody looks at you and they're like, wow, what is all this? And people would change uh, their places of sitting in church. Every time they see you, they'll go and sit somewhere. And um, stigmatization is something that really affects someone when you're going through cancer. Some thought I was HIV positive. Uh, without asking me, they concluded that ah, my kudzi, varimbaz, chito kavirai, itonwai mapiris, because you are almost dying. Uh, that was my experience. But I didn't get very angry with those people because I knew that they didn't know what I was going through. And um, that's when I realized there was a need for a mass campaign or for campaigns to be ongoing all the time to educate people on what cancer is all about. And how was your family affected? And how did they take it? My family was uh, affected in a great way because some of my kids were not in the country, the little ones were here. But I would want to say, on the general, I got a lot of support. Um, but I convicted myself to say I was not going to, to look at specific people, how they were going to respond to my illness I focused on getting better and allowed those people that wanted to walk the journey with me be a part of the so. journey and for those that were in the terraces they were just observing what they would only help when they could uh, 
I didn't take that to heart because I knew that the power of my recovery strictly lied in my will to live and my 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 uh, uh, allowing myself to go through my therapy following the doctor's instructions strictly and going through my treatment uh, without doubt that I was going to be well. Now, um, uh, Kate, uh, how important is uh, psychosocial support uh, during illness? Um, it is as important as the medical treatment because uh, apart from the things that are going on in the person's body, there are things that are also going on in the person's mind. And um, so the family that is surrounding that person needs to understand what that person is going through because they're going to change. They, they have fear. Maybe they think they're going to die. Maybe they think they're going to be maimed. Maybe they think they're going to lose, uh, you know, some family members or even their jobs. So there are things that are going on in their minds. So they need a lot of kindness, a lot of comfort, a lot of support. Uh, so um, that can come from the community, from the family, from the church, and uh, from friends. Uh, it can come from anywhere. As a psychosocial support expert, how do you uh, how do you deal with situations like like this one, the one that uh, Keresha was in? Um, you actually you have to talk to the uh, the patient, and you also have to talk to the family, because um, the family also gets affected right away because they get shocked. Cancer is something that when people hear um, the word cancer, they 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 think death you know uh, so it really scared them. It scares them they think that uh, their loved one is going to die and uh, some of them may actually be in denial some of them may actually get sick themselves you know just thinking mm -hmm. about it you know so uh, you talk to the family and you help them uh, to understand what is going on and also how to uh, support the person that has cancer because if everybody's down then nobody's taking care of anybody so you need to tell them that they have to be the support system there's only one sick person there in their house and they have to be strong for that person so, so if everybody's down then nobody can help anybody so and and then for the cancer patient you tell them that there's hope as long as they you know believe that they're going to be well some people just give up so even when they get the treatment they've already given up their mind is always already saying that they're going to die so um, they can even you know start talking to uh, their pastor and maybe have people praying for them uh, the spiritual support is also very important to give hope um, because sometimes people do get abandoned and people do get ostracized. So it is very important for everybody to be on board. It's all hands on deck. When somebody has cancer, it's all hands on deck. I'll time it exactly 10 minutes uh, to 9 o'clock. Now, um, uh, Karesha explained to us how um, uh, the, the community around her reacted yes. and, uh, you know, how the church reacted. What would you advise in situations like that? Uh, do you think it's best to confront situations like that and just stand in front of the church and say, hey, this is what I have, blah, 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 and just throw it out there? Or is it something that's best internalized? Um, I don't think you can internalize it because you really want to educate people. So if you want to educate people, you have to put it out there. But you have to put it out there probably very carefully and maybe talk to someone who can then present it to the rest of the people. Maybe you won't be the one who will be talking about it. But uh, people react that way because of ignorance. They don't know, uh, so they react the way they know. You know. But if they knew the facts, they would react differently. So it's just that lack of knowledge. So people need education.
Mm. Yeah. Uh, it, it's sad, isn't it, that we stigma still exists so much. Do you think we'll ever see a day where there's no stigma in this world as far as disease is concerned? It's up to us. Mm. We can do it. We can do it. We just um, start sharing and we start talking to each other. We start supporting each other and we can do it. There's nothing that is impossible. There's nothing that we, can, we cannot do if we really put our heads together, our minds together and we work together and we support each other. There's nothing that is impossible. We can do it. We can change things. I know uh, possibly there's somebody who's listening right now and, you know, they, they just got some news or they've been dealing with some sort of medication and uh, they feel totally broken, like feeling like there is no hope. How would you tackle such a situation? There's what would you hope. say to them? There's always hope. There's always hope. Uh, what you tell yourself and the reality on the ground are two totally different things. There's always hope. There are people that have come back from the brink of death. You know, the doctors are there. You know, the prayer warriors are there. The support is there. There is always hope. That's what I want to tell people out there. There is always hope. Never give up. Just keep trudging on. Well, if this is you we are talking about, then you just heard it there. Keep holding on, keep fighting, and uh, keep um, taking care of yourself. And let's, let, let's do better together. We're stronger together, so let's reach out and help each other out. And uh, so back to you, um, uh, Dr. Anna, Mary, uh, if you could um, please just um, explain to us, um, as far as treatment is concerned, uh, what is the best treatment? Because we are living in this world where, you know, there's so many different types of doctors out there. What really is best for the patient? Some people will be like, no, 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 no. Natural is the way to go. Herbs are the way to go. What is best in, in a situation whereby it is discovered that somebody has uh, colorectal cancer? Thank you very much, patients. I think these days we talk about evidence. I mean, you want evidence-based management. So whenever you are actually going for treatment, you need to actually ask yourself that whatever I am doing, is it something that has been looked into and proved to work? Otherwise, there are so many things out there that are being uh, maybe advertised or even brought in by people and they assert that this works and there is no actually scientific evidence to show that and this is one of the reasons why as health practitioners as medical practitioners we are not saying we're going to castigate each other we're saying okay we must have opportunities for people to bring whatever they claim that they works like be it herbs so that they are studied by the universities and then also when we talk about cancer management what has been shown to work is the conventional treatments conventional treatments that we have talked about surgical management chemotherapy radiotherapy there is evidence it's all written everywhere that it works and we are saying we can look into all the other things. Maybe there are local herbs that are being given. Let it be studied and compared with the current treatment. Maybe there is something that may work that we can eventually in the long run incorporate it into our treatments. So, and then also the treatments are different for different kinds. You know, when you say colorectal cancer, you may have 
subtypes of that kind of cancer. You know, they sort of like, uh, you know, any disease is not just one disease. There are versions of the, that disease that can be treated specifically with certain specifications. And of course, we talked about staging in terms of how far gone it is. And the more advanced disease, it has got also more versions of the disease which means it may need more treatments and a lot of those treatments may be more costly and early stage disease is likely to be cured more advanced disease may not be cured but it can be controlled and i often say when it comes to cancer there's always something that can be done for everyone oh. we talk of prevention before i get it I need to see what are my risk factors, what can I do to prevent it. And if we prevent it, it means less people who get the disease and it means the available resources that we have as a country are going to be used for less people. So if I can prevent myself from getting cancer, I'm actually helping myself and my country True. and the community. And then screening before you get symptoms early detection so that you get early stage disease mm -hmm. and then treatment and for those without with advanced disease there's also palliative care mm -hmm. which is total care of the patient with life limiting illness we're looking at also holistic in terms of the psychosocial that we were talking about the spiritual the physical mm -hmm. we are managing the patient totally mm -hmm. so that means that patient will have quality of life and live before they you know with before they die you know you know you don't want to die before you die mm -hmm. you want to continue living and each day must be lived fully mm -hmm. i mean even when there is advanced cancer you can still have a fulfilled enjoyable life mm -hmm. Well, uh, we've run out of time. Three minutes to nine is our time. And so, Kirisha, I have to go back to you. And between the time when you, when you discovered that you had cancer and the time that you, you, you got the tumor pulled out and recovery, how long a time was that? It took me about eight months. About, it, I would say, almost a year, a whole year, oh. for me to, to really go through my treatment. Um, and recovery, how long did that take? I'm now getting into my fifth year. Mm -hmm. And I feel that I'm fully recovered now. And um, I would want to encourage the whole community uh, at large, nationally and internationally, that we should walk by the theme that is there, which started um, this year in February, closing the care gap. What is your contribution? to caring for the cancer patient, the survivor, and the caregiver. Your, your hit mu music station. Uh, so My station. <laughs> your station. <laughs> it's everybody. For us and uh, uh, just um, advise uh, emotionally um, or wh whatever it is um, from your experience having worked with so many patients, what is your advice this evening? Um, well, we talked about never giving up. There's also, um, you know, trying to avoid stress, trying to avoid maybe overloading yourself with um, uh, a lot of work and not trying to, not to spend too much time by yourself if you, uh, if you have cancer, if you are sick. And, uh, of course, the family members to just come together and just uh, love each other. It is a time to just, uh, you know, um, 
come together as one and uh, anything is possible when we do that so um that's the message that i'll put out there stand together thank you very much uh I, ladies I appreciate you so much coming through at uh, you know, such an hour. Uh, great for hoping that uh, we have uh, saved lives this evening. And uh, thank you very much to Dr. Anna Mary Nyakabao. Uh, thank you, uh, Keresha Chikowe. Thank you, uh, Kate Chambati. And, uh, you know, I hope you continue with all the work that you're doing. And, Vaninze uh, Vivans. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you Thank very you. much. Thank you, Patience. And that's all we have for you this week on uh, Health Matters with me, Patience. And we'll say tune in next week, same time, right here on ZFM. This is Health Matters with Patience. Your choice, your life. Your life.